You're listening to audio from Hardin Baptist Church. For more audio content or other information about our church, please visit hardenbaptist.org. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome to Hardin Baptist Church this morning, our 915 worship service. We welcome all of you who are worshiping us online as well this morning. Hope everyone had a very Merry Christmas. And can you believe this is the last day of 2023? Wow, we just want to wish a happy new year to everyone. Hey, go ahead and be opening your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. While you're turning there, uh, before we begin the sermon this morning, I just want to remind you that in 10 days, I get the privilege to go to Brazil again and teach the Riverbank Bible Institute. And just wanted to share something with you that some of you know, but not everyone does. This year, it's the 40th anniversary of the RBBI. It's my 14th year to be the professor. But this year, we are teaching the book of Romans. And some of you sat through our sermon series on Romans a few years back. We actually transcribed all of those Roman sermons. We have translated them to Portuguese. And we have a Portuguese publisher in Brazil who are publishing those 90 sermons or so into a three-volume commentary set for our pastors. And we can do that for $100 per commentary set. So just want to let you know, if you got some extra Christmas money and you just want to be a blessing to a pastor in Brazil, and you would love to know that you put a commentary set of the book of Romans in Portuguese that was preached here in Harden in a pastor's hand, if you'll go to the information booth after the service and just get one of those little envelopes that says a commentary set, if you can't put $100, whatever you want to give, know that all that money goes to make sure a pastor has all of the sermons are preached here at Harden on Romans in their own language as a book. Wow, what a blessing. Also, this year, we're going to have our largest attendance ever at the RBBI. Now, in Brazil, we call it the EBBEHI. And we're going to have 165 people that are pre-registered. Just thought you might like to know this. Did you know how much it cost us to do this for these pastors? We can actually house, feed, and provide resources for each one of these pastors, church leaders for $150 a person. Is that crazy? That's how much power our dollar has to their currency. So again, if you would like to help knowing that you help provide a scholarship for someone to come to the IBM, because we pay for the transportation, we pay for the food, we pay for the housing, we pay for everything. Uh, you can do that. There's going to be a link. If you'll go to the website, you can give that way. Or again, if you want to go to the information booth and grab an envelope, I just want to give you the opportunity to get on what's going on in Harden. But do start praying because we are so excited to be teaching the book of Romans to our pastors. All right, if everybody's ready, for the next five Sundays, we're not doing Genesis yet. That's February. We're going to do a short sermon series on the five purposes of the church. We're calling this series, We Are Sent. Now, over the next five Sundays, we're going to talk about gather, connect, serve, give, and go. And I get to kick this series off this morning by talking about gathering. I am so excited. Now, i got to be honest with you. I'm still in Christmas mode. I love Christmas. I know you love Christmas. But I'll tell you what Christmas did this year for me. Christmas took me back to being a young dad for the first time with my children celebrating Christmas. I'm a grandpa now. I'm a papa. And it's just a little different as your kids get older. 
Now, because I was a pastor of a church and because of my work schedule being flexible, in our house, we actually gave presents to our children before the other children in the family or community got their presents. Now, we did that for a reason. We wanted them to have more time to play with the presents. Me and Salisa bought Kiki and Corey because we knew the moment we went to those grandparents' house and those grandparents gave those gifts they gave, they wouldn't play with the gifts that we got them. Now, I don't know if any of you young parents feel that way or not. So this Christmas just kind of reminded me of when the grandparents would give presents and as a young dad, I would look at that presence after they had opened all of my presents, and I had this thought, there is no way that box that this grandparent has given our kid is big enough to be holding what that picture on the box is advertising. I mean, the picture on the box said this thing is really, really big, but the box wasn't really, really big. And I could see Kiki and Corey's eyes when they saw this picture. Now, I, being the dad, knew how that big thing was in that little box. You know too, right? It's in a thousand pieces. And I'll never forget that feeling I felt every time my kid would open up a present from the grandparents. And in the bottom right-hand corner, it would say this, assembly required. Oh. <sighs> Why do we grandparents do that to parents? Because see, I knew what was going to happen. While they were playing with all the presents that didn't require assembly, they were really wanting to be playing with the present that did require assembly. So that meant one person in the family was going to miss out on dinner, going to miss out on fellowship, because while everybody else was playing with Christmas presents, guess where dad was? Not papa. Not granddaddy, dad, guess where dad was? Dad was outside with the tools that were required to put the thing together. Yes, sometimes when you see that picture on the box and the box is really, really small and you have that thought, there's no, yes, there's a way. It's called assembly required. That's the title of the message this morning. Assembly required. Here's why. Do you have that struggle I have? I know what my life is supposed to be like because I've seen the picture of the person my life's supposed to be like because I've read the book. But how does God take me, a kid from Dexter, and make me like the picture that I have of who he is. You know, right? Assembly required. Let's stand together and open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. I ask you to pray for me. You know our normal style of preaching is through books of the Bible, verse by verse. So on Sunday night when I'm preaching, I know where to study but when you do series like this, there's a lot of different verses you can use. And you have to be really careful because Brother Ricky's done this so long that it would be very easy for me to tell you what I want you to say rather than saying what God really says. 
So you pray for me this morning that everything we say is based on the truth of God's word. Matthew chapter 16, beginning verse 13. Listen to what the word of God says. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, the English language says, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now this next verse always surprised us. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one. We expected to say everyone, but to tell no one. That he was the Christ. Father, please add your blessings to the reading of this, your word. You know our hearts as we gather on this first day of a brand new week. We do not want to be hearers only. We want to be doers of your word. And I sure do not want to be a speaker only. But I too want to be a doer of your word. Father, do what only you can do. And that's anoint us to speak and on us to listen. Give us that unction that comes from your Holy Spirit. And Father, while you're doing this for those of us who are believers, if there's someone here who's not a believer, we know your Holy Spirit's going to be convicting them of their sin and that they too can be forgiven and be a part of your church, your body, if they'll also repent of sin and put their faith in your son Jesus. And of course, identify that faith through believer's baptism and become a part of your body. Thank you. Thank you, Father. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to try to answer four questions this morning. Who, where, when, and why? First question we're going to try to answer this morning in the series, We Are Sent, and the specific sermon of gathering is, who are we? You know, there was a time when the DNA of this church caused us to say, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Now, for you city folk, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And then we began to say, it's not about us. It's about him. And it's about them. And then we begin to talk about growing down, growing up, and growing out. But now we say, we are not dismissed. We are sent. This morning we're going to examine the who in that series title. Who are we as the church of Jesus Christ? In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus has his disciples in the region of Caesarea Philippi. It's the northern part, just over the line 
of what you and I would call Jewish territory. There is a pagan statue to every pagan god known to the people of Caesarea. And against that pagan backdrop, Jesus knowing that Daniel prophesied about the coming of the Son of Man who would establish the eternal kingdom of God, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they began to reel off, wow, some people think it's John the Baptist, some people think it was Jeremiah, some people think, and they just name all of these different people. And instead of Jesus commenting about their answer, he now zeroes in to his disciples and says, who do you say I am? You hear him identifying himself as the Son of Man. But he doesn't want to know what the crowd thinks. He doesn't want to know what the public thinks. He wants to know what they think. And praise the Lord for one time Peter opened his mouth and didn't put his foot in it. Amen. He got it right. He answered, you are the Christ. That means you are the Messiah. The son of the living God. And I think Jesus looks at Peter with a twinkle in his eye and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Can you just see Peter? Wow, he got this one right. He's starting to be puffed up. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. And then Jesus kind of lets the wind out of his sails a little bit. He humbles him a little bit by saying, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Whoa, did y'all hear that? There was nothing in Peter's natural ability. There was nothing in his flesh. There was nothing in himself that caused him to come to this conclusion. But my father, your father in heaven, revealed this to you. Wow. Do you realize that? If you're here this morning and you believe Jesus is the son of the living God, if you believe he is the Messiah, do you know who gets 100% credit for you knowing that truth? It's God. He opened your eyes and revealed that truth to you so that he could draw you to his son. And listen to what his son now says to Peter. You are Peter. And on this rock, English versions say, I will build my church. Wow. Now, if I could, I'd like to give you my interpretation of this verse. Notice he calls him Simon Bar-Jonah. Simon Bar-Jonah, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. You are blessed. Why are you blessed? You're blessed because our Father revealed this to you. And you're Peter. You're a stone. You're a pebble. But upon this rock, and there's a word change here, on this Petra, there's something bigger here in this passage than Peter. And of course we know that bigger person is Jesus. But based on something being bigger than Peter in this passage, Jesus has the confidence to tell Peter, I'm going to build my church. 
Now, here's what Brother Ricky believes. This is my opinion. You can disagree. This is not teaching that Jesus is telling Peter he's going to build the church on him. I know there's churches that believe that, but trust me, the church is not built on Peter. What is the church built on? What is the saving belief of the church? It's that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the son of the living God. So what Jesus is revealing here is the saving belief of the church. The saving belief of who we are. And who we are is centered on this truth. Who we know Jesus is. And for everyone who confesses Jesus as the Messiah, the son of the living God, guess what? You become part of Jesus' church. Jesus is building his church on those who know who he is. Do you know who he is? Do you know him as the Christ? Do you know him as the living son of God? Then guess what? You're part of Jesus' church. Now, this is interesting to me, and I struggle with this. Those of us in the West use the English word church, and we know that church refers to a building. And so we have this struggle. If we guess we need some medical people over here. Medical people, please, to the right. good okay all right everybody ready back to brother ricky hey we always put your health first you realize that in in these kind of moments so so here, here's the idea church in our western concept normally refers to a building and you know i struggle with that because i do not believe the church is a building i believe the church is people and i have taught us Church is not a building. Church is people. Amen? But now I want you to follow me. The Greek word here that Jesus uses is the Greek word ekklesia. And in my opinion, the word church doesn't cut it. I'm sorry. Because for us in the West, church refers to a building. But the Greek word here is ekklesia, which means called out assembly. Now, you know at this time, the Jewish people were meeting in synagogues. The word synagogue is a Greek derivative that literally means to meet together. So you got all of the Jewish people of who his disciples are from, and they've been meeting in synagogues, and now Jesus says, I'm going to build my own Ecclesia. But he doesn't use that word. He uses the word that referred to a group of citizens who gathered together. And when they gathered together, they gathered together to carry out the purpose of politics, public issues. But when they met together, they met to make decisions for the public. Does that make sense? 
So what's Jesus saying here? He's identifying who we are as the church. We are a group of people who have been called out of the world and we meet, we assemble, we gather. Some Greek scholars actually believe that this word ecclesia, instead of being translated assembly, needs to be translated gathering. We gather, and why do we gather? We gather to carry out the agenda of God's kingdom. You say, Brother Ricky, where do you get that? Look what this says. I give you who? Not Peter. I'm giving you Peter the keys, but I'm giving you Peter the keys because you're the first one, you're the first person who is confessing this. You're part of the church I'm building. I'm giving to you and the church the keys now, when we think of keys, the first key I think of is I think of a key to my truck. Have you ever seen the face on a young kid's, the expression on a young kid's face when they get their first automobile and mom and dad give them the keys? Wow. Something behind that key, right? Yeah. That key turns on. That key turns off. That key turns on an engine that, whoa, powers a vehicle that changes your life. Well, they didn't have that in the biblical world. So when they had a key, they referred to a key as something that locked or unlocked something. It bound something or it unbound something. So here's what Jesus says. I'm giving you, the church, the key to what? The kingdom of God. Woo! Glory! How many of you believe in the kingdom of God? How many of you believe it's awesome? How many of you believe the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God in the hearts and lives of his people and his kingdom changes everything? Amen? Guess who has the key to the kingdom? We do. The church. We have the authority of God's kingdom backing us. So when we gather together, we gather together as an assembly the body of Christ and the reason we gather is to carry out the purpose of God's kingdom. Now watch this. Whatever we bind down here gets bound up there. And whatever we loose down here gets loosed up there. I got to be honest with y'all. I get frustrated sometimes being a pastor. And I get frustrated being a farmer. I've had a rough fall. Y'all know that, right? Do you realize every time I preach and it's over, you know what I got to start doing again? I got to start preaching all over again. <sighs> Just can't ever do it one time and it be enough. That's so frustrating. <sighs> and I'm looking at some of you, I know I'm going to have to keep doing this till Jesus comes. <laughs> I mean, have you guys ever been involved in doing something and when you got done, you were frustrated because you knew well wasn't going to last, going to have to be done again and again and again. Not the church. What we do right now lasts forever. It's eternal. Wow. That's who we are. We are an assembly. We are a group of people who's been called out. So I want to tweak what I've been telling you for the last several years. When I get frustrated with you and say to you, when somebody says, where do you go to church? Don't you tell them? 
hardened, referring to a building, but you talk about who you really are, and the church is not a building. It's a what? It's a person. It's a people. It's us, the body of Christ. But I've been convicted. Because guess what? If we're an assembly of Christ, if we're a gathering of Christ, we have to have a place to gather. And that place is holy. It's holy because the place houses the people of God when they gather. Now, that's not this building. That's these grounds on which this building sets. Amen? Because you know where the place is that houses us? Do you know where the place is to where we're supposed to gather? It's right where you're at right now. Those of you who are sitting in a chair, you're where you're supposed to be. You're in Hardin, Kentucky. Don't you ever tell anybody that Hardin Baptist Church is on the outside of Hardin? We are not. We are in Hardin. If you don't know this story, as this church continued to grow, outgrow our place to gather in downtown, and we moved out here, we would not move until the city of Hardin agreed to annex this land as Hardin. Because we did not grow, outgrow Hardin. Hardin is where we meet. Hardin is where we gather. Amen. This is where we assemble. And you're here this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Do you know the early church had a problem with gathering? There's a letter written to a group of people called the Hebrews who were having some difficult times in their life. And because of difficult times in their life, some of them wasn't gathering as they should. So guess what the writer of Hebrews had to do? He had to encourage them with these words. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. Let's freeze that. You said, but brother, it says through 25. I know we're going to read 22 through 25 next. But I want you to see these two statements. The book of Hebrews is written to a group of people who are thinking about turning back and going back to the Jewish way of life. And he's telling them not to do that. He's showing how Jesus is a far better sacrifice and how Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant, not the old covenant. The new covenant that doesn't. Roll sins forward to the next year, but a covenant in where our sins are forgiven once and for all by the blood of Jesus. And here's what he wants us to know. We have confidence to enter. To enter where? To enter into the very presence of God. Why? Because a sacrifice was made by Jesus that tore that temple in two, that curtain temple, because when he went into the presence of God, he made a one-time sacrifice that dealt with sin once and for all. 
And so we are forgiven of all sin, past, present, and future. Praise be to God. So we have confidence to come into the presence of God. Wow. Because what? We have a great high priest over the house of God. So we, the church, are literally the house of God. We are the assembly. We are the body of Christ that carries out God's agenda. And we, as a church, have the assurance that we can come into the presence of God because we have Jesus as a great high priest. Now he gives us three application points. Since then, we have these two things, confidence and a great high priest. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Now, I guess I ask all of you this question. Are you here this morning because it's your habit to be here? Or is your normal habit not to be here, but you're just here this morning because it's the last day of the year? Wow. You know what this is teaching? This meeting of us together isn't about any one of us individual, but it's about all of us. Wow. You know what God wants us to do? He wants us to draw near. He wants us to hold fast our confession, never waver. And when we come together, he wants us to stir each other up. Not negatively, not being irritant. But positively. We stir each other up to love and good works. We encourage one another. Now how can we do that? There's only way we can do that. We've got to gather. Together. Can't do what some are doing. And that's not gathering. Now, I need to talk to you just a second. Some of you faithfully listen every week online to us. We even want you to tell us you're listening. By texting 94,000 HBC online. And we are so thankful you worship us online. But I got to ask you this question. Why are you worshiping us online instead of being here in person with us? I do think there are a few reasons why you should be doing that. If your health does not allow you to be here, we are so thankful you listen online. Or if you're on vacation this morning and you're out of state and you're tuning in, thank you, thank you, thank you. Or maybe you've just heard about us and you're checking us out. Glad you're doing this. But listen to me. You're supposed to be here. If at all possible. You're supposed to be here. I know. 
and you know. Some of you aren't here because of COVID. That's three years ago. About 30 to 35% of those who used to attend church habitually don't attend anymore. Now, if health and a COVID scare still causes you not to be here, understand that. But listen to me as your pastor. If COVID allowed you to stay at home this morning and worship in your pajamas with your coffee and your donuts from wherever you like to get donuts, and it's just more convenient from you, you need to get back here. You need to get back here. I wish you'd just get dressed right now and be at the 1040 service. Hear my heart. You know there's a couple of you that I visited this week that you don't have the health to be here. Don't you feel bad at all. But if you have the health and you've confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you're part of an assembly and you're part of the assembly of Christ at Harden, we need you to be here. And we need some of you that are here this morning to make this a habit of being here. Now, what's the motivation? We see the day approaching. What day is approaching here? The day that's approaching in the writer of Hebrews' mind is the day when Jesus is going to come back. When Jesus comes back, what's he going to do? He's going to gather all of his people together. Woo! Glory! Hallelujah! Is that going to be awesome? Every child of God on the planet going to be gathered up. This present world going to be destroyed. There's going to be a new heaven, new earth. And we're going to be set down on a new earth. And we're going to gather together. So if we are looking forward to that day. How many of you are looking forward to that day? Then what should you be doing? You should be gathering. Because gathering is not what we do. Gathering is who we are. Amen? So who are we? We're the assembly of Christ. Where do we gather? We gather in Harden. You have no idea what your car sitting out there on the parking lot says to this community. It says who you are. It says who we are. I learned this growing up in the Bogard family. You wouldn't know I was a Bogard because my name's Cunningham. But there was a lot of people that found out I was a Bogard because you know what the Bogard tradition was after church on Sundays? We go to Grand and Granddad Bogards. All of us. There was eight kids. They averaged about, I don't know, five, four, five. Kids apiece. And the older ones were already having grandkids when I came along. So I kid you not, every Sunday, 75 to 125 at Granny Grande Bogarts. Parking lot was full. It wasn't a parking lot, it was just 
where you parked. But we parked in the gravel. We parked by the smokehouse. We parked in the yard. Didn't think a thing about it. Do you know what Granny and Granddad Bogart never did? They never built a house big enough to have eight kids. And you know what people would do? People would drive down the road and they'd see that big old gathering and there's the Bogart clan and they'd poke, they'd make fun. My wife's family used to go eat at Dinner Bell on Sunday and before she knew me, before we got together, they would drive by the Bogard clan, and they would look at that gathering, and they would kid. You know, instead of going to dinner, we would just stop there. <laughs> we would just eat with them. They'd never know we were there. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times there was people in the community who would say, didn't know you were kin to Ralph, didn't know you were kin to Rudell, didn't know you were kin to, because they were Bogards, Isaac Cunningham, but I was a Bogard. You know what identified me as a Bogart? I showed up. Show up. It's not what we do. It's who we are. Now, don't you listen to me. You can be sitting here right now in this crowd and be all alone. No. I want you to be us. Amen? Now, when do we meet? I think this is simple. Let's turn to Luke chapter 4. Beginning with verse 14. The Bible says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Now, he's been baptized. He's been through the uh, temptation in the wilderness. And he's returning back to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And a report about him went, out through all the surrounding country and he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as was his what? Custom. He went where? To the synagogue. When? On the Sabbath day. That's Saturday. God, in his wisdom, believed the man that he created and the woman he created needed to work like he did and then rest. There need to be a rhythm of life. You work six days and then you shut down and you rest. Your animals rest. Your servants rest. Everybody rests. That you're over on that Sabbath day. Now that sounds like you work really hard six days a week. And then on Saturday you just kick back and do nothing. But yet we know throughout the Old Testament that this day of rest for Israel was a day when, yes, they didn't do their normal week's work. They shut it down, focused on God. And they worshipped Him. On this Saturday. As a matter of fact. When in Leviticus chapter 3, 23. We have all of the feasts of Israel. Where everybody's supposed to gather together. Guess what the first feast is. It's the feast of the Sabbath. So don't you picture in the Old Testament. Everybody just sitting at home. No. They gathered. And there's this rhythm. That God wants us to have. 
Some of us who are part of this assembly don't have a rhythm. We just work, 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 work. Or we don't work, 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 work. God designed us with a rhythm. Work, rest. Now, in the New Testament, we know this. We don't gather on Saturday. Why? Because we're not under the old covenant. We're under the new covenant. And Jesus put an end to the old way when he got up that morning from the grave. And brought us into a relationship with God. And now we worship him on the first day of the week. So when do we gather? We gather on the first day of the week. Where do we gather? We gather here at Harden. Unless health won't allow us. Or we're on a vacation. Or we're traveling. Or in two weeks from today, I'm going to be in Brazil. I can't be here. I'm not even going to watch you online. That's okay. Because what's my habit? What's my custom? the same as Jesus he gathered with God's people if you're God's people you gather with God's people I know some of you are struggling you're saying brother Rick you don't know how hard it is for me to be here because you don't know what my last church did me I don't know I get it but you're in a new place And God has you here for a reason and a purpose. And it's safe here. I promise you. When the first day of the brand new week starts, we gather together. Now, just like Granny Bogards, we cannot and will not build a building big enough to hold all of us. So when we gather together, you get to choose. You want breakfast at 7.50, you want brunch at 9.15, or you want lunch at 10.40. Amen? But we're going to gather, we're going to gather on the first day of a brand new week. And then at least once a month, we're going to gather back at night. And we're going to have supper. We call it the Lord's Supper. And we honor Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. Now, I want to ask you, do you have this rhythm to where you work day two through day seven? And then on day one, you want to start your week out right. And how do you start your week out right? You express who you are by gathering with the body so that together we can carry out the kingdom of of the agenda of God's kingdom. Amen. Now in closing. Just got four minutes. Why do we gather? What would you say is the ultimate purpose? And here's what I think most of us would agree on. We gather to worship. Amen. We gather to worship. And we try to do that at 750. We try to do that at 915. We try to do that at 1040. Worship. Some of you remember this several years ago. We decided at Harden that there's some steps to true worship. The steps go kind of like this. We are never going to worship unless first there's an, an awareness of God. You don't worship him if you're not aware of him in your life. And if you don't recognize him here this morning, you will not worship him. 
And there's been times we've come here right and not worshipped. Because worship starts with an awareness of Him. Once you're aware of who He is, you're then going to make an appraisal. You're going to appraise who He is, and you're going to appraise what He's done, or what He is doing, or what He is going to do in your life. Wow. You just can't help it. Once you're aware of who He is, you begin to think, wow! And then... You can't separate who he is from what he does. And what he's already done when he put his son on that cross for you. So when you make that appraisal, you've now got a choice. Do you appreciate who he is and what he's done and what he's going to do or what he is doing? Or do you depreciate it? You ever notice in our capitalistic culture, if you're selling something, you appreciate the value. But if you're buying, you depreciate it. How do you view God? Then there's sometimes this week y'all appreciated him. But when we really are aware of his presence and we begin to appraise him, we appreciate him. And once you add value, once that value is added and you recognize who he is, here's what happens. It leads to affection. And that affection starts welling up inside. And then it turns into this. Now, some of you are going to be offended, but I believe I'm right. It turns into attitude. Anybody ever told you you got an attitude? Now, we usually use that word negatively, but I'm going to use it positively. Because I looked up the word attitude in an English dictionary. And you know what it says? A settled way of thinking or believing or feeling towards someone or something that is typically reflected in how you behave. Amen? <laughs> Woo! You see attitude. Amen? Now here's what Brother Ricky believes worship is, and here's what Hardin Baptist Church believes worship is. Worship is the releasing of our attitude toward God. Amen? We don't keep it bottled up. On Sunday, we gather together to worship him. And then we're sent out. We don't quit worshiping him. Amen? We release our worship as we gather and then we scatter. But we praise God when the attitude starts showing in here. Wow. Now, have y'all noticed this about Harden? We have a 70-minute worship service. Unless there's a certain one of the pastors who's preaching. We'll not mention his name. <laughs> have y'all noticed how we do worship? Matt gets about 20 to 22 minutes, 25 at the most, to use words of man that's put to music to cause us to be aware of who God is and what he's done. Now somebody do the math. Let's take 25 from 70. Is that 45? And we allow five minutes at the end to just take care of family things we all need to be aware of. So let's subtract five. That's 40. 
And tell me what we do with those 40 minutes. We preach or we listen to preaching. Now, I want you to hear me. We don't have a 20 and 25 minute worship service with song and then preach. We worship. We become aware of who he is, his presence in us and with us. And then we appraise it. We then appreciate it. We then have affection that starts moving in here and it develops into an attitude, a settled way we're going to think, believe, and act this rest of the week. And we do not base our worship on what man has written in song. We base our worship on what God has clearly written in his word. Amen? I'm sorry. No, I'm not. If you come to Harden Baptist and you're part of the gathering at Harden, we're not going to serve spiritual drive-through. We may be so busy in our life that we want to grab something quick, but when it comes to the first day of a brand new week, a week where we're going to have a rhythm that's going to reveal who we are, we're going to gather together and we're going to sit down to a meal together. And we're not serving sandwiches. We're going to serve the filet mignon of God's word. We're going to ask you to bring your Bible. We're going to ask you to bring a notebook. We're going to ask you to bring an ink pen. We're going to ask you to dig in. We're going to ask you to chew. And we're going to ask you to swallow. If you only had one part of the church that you're going to be a part of, if your week is that busy, it needs to be this morning. Don't you dare put a small group somewhere ahead of what's happening right now. For us to express who we are, we assemble in Harden. First day of the week. Because we want to be like the person in the book. And we've seen his picture. And we've looked at ourselves and wondered, how can I be like him? Here's how you'd be like him by being a part of the assembly. Under the preached word of God, not Brother Ricky's preaching, not Brother Corey's preaching, not Brother Chris's preaching. Under the preaching of God's word. Together we are unified. And in our unity we begin to realize, you know, I'm a little different. Yes, different. Meaning you're diverse. Meaning you're a knee. And you're an elbow. And you're a toe. And you're a finger. So it's okay to be diverse. But not divisive. This all takes place as we sit down at the table of God together. In our home, we have something called Sunday supper. I can't tell you what a blessing is when the grandkids ask me, Mr. Mimish, are we having Sunday supper? You know why the grandkids love Sunday supper so much? Not just because of Papa Mimish, because the cousins are going to be there. Yeah, the whole family's going to be there. You know what I've noticed? I've noticed when Sunday supper comes, we adults, we love the food. 
And when the food's over, we love to sit back and we love to just talk. We just love to fellowship. We don't, we don't rush anywhere. Why do you rush away? I ain't talking about the online crowd. I'm talking about you. Why, as soon as this is over, are you through that foyer and out into your vehicle and gone? I used to get so excited at Granny Bogarts and we'd go to Granny Bogarts because we couldn't all get in the same house, around the same table. The men would eat first, then the kids would eat, and then the women would eat last. I know that's not popular to say in this culture. I can't tell you as a kid how blessed I was to go in there and see those men at that table waiting my turn and then seeing the ladies when I would leave, they would be coming to the table. How many of you stop out there in the foyer? And just look at all the 10, 40 people coming in, seeing all those college kids coming in, and you're going, yes! This is who we are! And you see that person that you have no idea if this was their first Sunday or they've been here longer than you because you'll never go and talk to them. They're a brother. They're a sister. They're here for the same reason you're here. Or if they're not a brother or sister, man, we want them to know we in the church love they're here. Amen? I got to close. If someone judged us by you, what would they think about us? Father, thank you, thank you, thank you in Christ's name. Hey guys, real quick, if you would check our website, we put our 2024 calendar on there. Make sure and check out every day you could possibly know. If you want to give, hardenbaptist.org slash give. Boxes are in the back. Thank you for joining us. We are not dismissed. We are what? Sent. Make sure and text in before you leave. You guys are dismissed. Watch people coming into the foyer. You're listening to audio from Harden Baptist Church. For more audio content, For other information about our church, please visit hardenbaptist.org.